Hi, it's Terence Wallace, and welcome to my new series, Stories from the Road. In 2014, I decided to leave the corporate world behind and start my own business, Indelible Adventures Inc. This is a culmination of my writing, photography, speaking, and travel, and uh, gave me a great opportunity to travel the world. And so, with my writing, I've been able to gather and collect many stories from all my adventures. So this series is a dedication to all of those stories. I hope you enjoy them. This week, join me in southern Italy, Naples and Casino. Arguably, Naples is one of the least visited cities in all of Italy, and for that matter, Europe. I guess over the years, it's garnered a less than stellar reputation for a host of things, from the overcrowded nature of the city, its crime rates, the corruption, or the rampant pollution. Clearly not things that draw a host of tourists to this southern Italian city. So why travel here? Now although Naples is not up there with Rome, Milan, or even Tuscany as a destination in terms of name recognition, Naples has a ton of charm. And not only are the locals incredibly friendly, polite and hospitable, but extremely welcoming in every facet of their lives. This resilient and hardy local population has been forged over centuries from the multitude of peoples calling this port city home. I suppose the history of Naples has a lot to do with why it's considered a lesser entity than their better known Italian neighbours further north. From 1504, the Spanish ruled the city-state for more than 200 years. Only then was it passed to the Austrian Habsburgs before being conquered by the French under Napoleon in 1806. Its final alignment was to Sicily prior to the reunification of Italy under Garibaldi in 1860. And it's no wonder that Naples is often considered the ugly duckling of Italy. The first question is where to stay? So where to stay? Like with many European cities, I prefer to stay within the confines of the old city, and this time was no exception. I stayed at the Ducumani Hotel du Charme. This revitalized four-star hotel is tucked away in a medieval alley, only narrow enough for the smallest of cars. But watch out if you have a parked scooter or another car parked in the alleyway, as it's almost impossible to get by. Parking can also be very tricky unless you book ahead, so my advice is to book parking in advance when you book your hotel. What you give up in terms of easy motorized access, you gain in terms of the intimacy of the local neighborhood and the ability to walk everywhere. This centrally located hotel is rooted in its past, and although modern and up-to-date on the inside, its exterior dates from the Middle Ages. An awesome spot to make your home base for a few days. What to eat? The Neapolitan palate is an eclectic one to be sure, and so when you are visiting Naples, or indeed southern Italy in general, what you'll notice most is that they love their fried foods and sweet cakes. Little fried takeaway shops dot the narrow streets and alleyways with the smell of fried food permeating the air. Almost a carnival feel if you will. The locals fry absolutely everything, from vegetables to the standard fish, but also go well beyond to fry pasta balls and the like. By the way, they're absolutely delicious. 
Anything that can be fried will be fried in Naples. Actually, what caught my fancy the most in Naples were the sweet cakes from the little cafes that dot the alleyways and city center. Oh my God, they are so delicious. Try the Sloggiatella, a true local delicacy, or perhaps the Nouvellet as an afternoon walking snack. But be warned, those two are totally addictive. In addition to all the sweet cakes I had discovered, I also found two unforgettable little restaurants during my stay. The first was less than 100 meters from the hotel in a little back alley called Pulcinella. It's on Via San Giovanni Maggiore, Pignatelli. This local gym was a recommendation from the concierge at the hotel and was an absolute delight. Try the seafood risotto, it's simply delicious. The second restaurant to try during your stay in Naples is Garum, and it's on the Piazza Monte Oliveto. Although a little further afield from the hotel, it's about a 10 minute walk, but well worth a stroll. Gino and his staff provided a warm welcome, and the food and wine selection was spectacular, especially the caprese salad with gamberoni, followed by the grilled dornado. I can't say enough about the fresh seafood in Naples, it was both fresh and plentiful. What to do in Naples? Naples means new city and is the second largest city in Italy after Milan. Yep, even larger and more populated than Rome. Not surprising, Naples has been inhabited continuously since the Neolithic age and permanent settlements being established by the Greeks in the second millennium BC. Naples has been fought over and conquered and reconquered by a host of warring nations over the centuries including the Sicilians, the Spanish, the French, the Austrians, but to name just a few. Hence, the architecture is so eclectic, not only because of the many owners, but also because it was heavily bombed during World War II, and so huge swathes of the city have been destroyed. My personal favorite landmark was the Royal Palace, built on the piazza of the plebiscite of King of Spain. It's just stunning. It's almost as if it's carved from a single piece of marble. No trip to Naples can be complete without visiting Pompeii and indeed Mount Vesuvius. The eruption of Mount Vesuvius in 79 AD and subsequent calamity that befell Pompeii has been rooted in my imagination since I was a young boy growing up in Australia. So clearly I had to take some time to fulfill my childhood dreams and walk the streets of Pompeii. One thing that is vitally important when you visit Pompeii is to use a guide or to take a private tour so that you get the full effect of the excavations that have been taking place for the past 140 years. Not surprising, as you visit the site you get a true appreciation for the modern amenities that were on hand to the locals of Pompeii prior to the city being covered in up to 7 metres of ash. The history buff and me couldn't get enough during my visit, and it was one of the most memorable tours I've ever taken. Next up was a hike up Mount Vesuvius, well, not all the way, as it rises 1250 metres above the surrounding plains, and is one of the few active volcanoes in all of Europe. Yes, it's still smoking and giving off gases from its many fissures from within the crater. I must admit, it was pretty cool to walk the edge of the crater on a gorgeous winter's day 
and the view of the Bay of Naples was absolutely stunning. Yes, I would highly recommend the tour of Mount Vesuvius and Pompeii in addition to your trip to Naples. As you know, I love to get off the beaten path, and so the second part of my trip to southern Italy included the small town of Cassino. As I continued my tour of southern Italy, my interest took me to the town of Cassino about 100 kilometers north of Naples and 140 kilometers south of Rome. Cassino is a quiet, pristine little town located at the base of Monte Cairo, which is in the foothills of the Apennine Mountains that run the length of Italy and act as a spine, so to speak. For most people traveling in Italy, you wouldn't even pass through this town as it sits a handful of kilometers off the A1, or the autostrada that links Rome and Naples, unless you really wanted to visit the Abbey of Monte Cassino, which is perched high above the town center. The town itself has been a settlement since before the Romans fortified this area in 1312 BC, and since 529 AD when Benedict of Nursia established a monastery on the top of the mountain overlooking the town, it has become the focal point in history. The location itself holds a strategically important vantage point over the rivers and valleys that can congregate at the base of Mount Cairo, and because of this, the town of Cassino has been at the epicenter of history over the centuries. A very famous battle took place here during World War II. Mount Cairo, and subsequently the town of Cassino, lay on what was commonly referred to as the Gustav Line. This is the line that the German army had fortified across Italy and had strategically assembled some of its finest divisions to hold off against the Allied armies that wanted to take Rome and push towards Germany. After the Allies invaded mainland Italy at Salerno, just south of Naples, in September 1943, they began driving north towards Rome with the hope of relieving the pressure on the Russian front and diverging some of its forces for the planned invasion of Normandy which was scheduled for June 1944. Well, all was going swimmingly well until they hit the Gustav line at Cassino, and this is where things got rather sticky. The Allied offensive ground to a screeching halt as it came upon the difficult and mountainous terrain coupled with a strong and determined enemy force. In all, the Allies tried on four separate occasions between January the 17th and May 18th in 1944 to take Casino and the Abbey before finally breaking through. Due to the very high casualty rates during the initial assaults, it was assumed that the Abbey was being used as an observation post and therefore the decision by the Allies was made to bomb the Abbey. And so on February the 15th, 1944, the Allied Air Forces bombed the Abbey into an absolute oblivion with 1,400 tons of high explosive bombs and within minutes the 1,500 year old Abbey and all its history had been completely destroyed. There was nothing but rubble remaining. Not all was lost. The vast majority of the art and historic artifacts had already been plundered by the German army prior to the battle and shipped to Germany. Shortly after the bombing of the Abbey, it was also decided to obliterate the town of Cassino in the valley underneath to ensure that all enemy forces were completely wiped out from this part of the Gustav Line. And so, on March 15, 1944, it was completely razed to the ground. Not a building remained standing. 
At the end of the war, the stolen art, along with the original plans and drawings of the Abbey from the Middle Ages, were recovered and repatriated back to the St. Benedictine monks, who then began the arduous and painstaking process of rebuilding the Abbey in its former glory. The reconstruction efforts lasted until 1968, as did the rebuilding of the town below. As I walked around the Abbey, it was already eerily quiet, especially given the time of year. But then add a cold, chilly rain across the mountain, and I virtually had the place to myself. I counted a mere five cars in the parking lot, where in the summertime it would have over a thousand. What stunned me most with visiting the Abbey was the craftsmanship and unbelievable attention to detail in every aspect. It was clear that the monks had laboured for more than 20 years rebuilding the Abbey in exacting detail to ensure that every facet would be an exact replica as it had been prior to the war. There was one small painting that survived the bombing. It was by the famed Italian artist Severo Laracci, the 16th century master had painted the angels, and this was the only thing that survived. Other than the painting, the vast majority of statues had been destroyed. But then again the conscientious monks gathered the large debris field together and began the meticulous process of piecing back together what they could. In most cases the statues had been lost completely and the marble figures turned to dust. However, there were a handful that had been put back together, much like a broken vase, and with small missing chunks and limbs, uh, they stand on guard today in the main courtyard. As I reflect on my visit to Casino, what strikes me most is the tragedy that took place for both the Abbey and the town, and it wasn't in the distant past. I realise that this is only one little point in this 2000 year history. I'm sure there have been other times that, comparatively speaking, the loss was just as tragic or devastating. But what heartened me most was the resilient nature of the locals and the dedicated monks who poured their lives into rebuilding in its former glory. The Abbey at Casino is an absolute treasure, and so if you are travelling between Rome and Naples and you see the sign for Casino, do yourself a favour and take the exit and follow the signs towards the town. To get to the Abbey, you'll need to go into town and then follow the signs. It's eight kilometres up the winding mountain road. Not only will you be rewarded with a magical experience, but the vistas when you're there are absolutely stunning. As you can tell, there is so much history, so much to see and do, so many dishes to try in southern Italy. Naples is an absolute must-go-to on any trip to Italy. Do it on your way to the Amalfi Coast. You'll be so glad you did. Well, until next time, it's Terence Wallace, and thanks for listening. If you'd like to learn more or see some of the photos from all of my travels, please feel free to visit me at www.indelibleadventures.com. Thanks, and have an awesome day. Ciao.